Hey, everybody. It is Tuesday, October 10th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. There's a lot to get to today, Jill, uh, in terms of the escalating situation in the Middle East and that tragedy in Israel. Right. So here are the headlines. The latest on the aftermath of the terror attack in Israel, the escalating war, the Israeli response, the state of the hostages as the death toll on both sides surpasses 1,600. Another 2024 GOP presidential candidate drops out. We'll tell you who. And Robert Kennedy decides that he has had enough of the Democratic primary and he's going to be running as an independent Plus, President Biden gets interviewed by the special counsel investigating classified documents found at his home and personal office from when he was vice president. The writer's strike is now officially over as the actors continue to negotiate. And more employers are set to cover diet drugs like Ozempic. Plus, I am happy to say Mosh is back and has on this day in history. (laughs) Jill, thanks for covering the last couple of weeks. I know it's not your favorite (laughs) segment, but you did an incredible job with it. Uh, Today, October 10th, we'll give you a little history on uh, the game of billiards. Important day in pool history. Uh, And Jill, an important episode for one of your favorite 90s television shows. All right, let's get to our top story, though. Israel increasing airstrikes on the Gaza Strip and sealing off the territory from fuel, food and other supplies on Monday. That comes as Israel continues its counterstrike after the surprise terrorist attack and massacre of hundreds of Israelis over the weekend. Around 900 people, including 73 soldiers, already have been killed in Israel In Gaza, more than 680 people have been killed in Israeli counterstrikes. That's according to Hamas authorities there. Israel says hundreds of Hamas fighters are among them. And that brings the overall death toll on both sides to over 1,600. Thousands have been wounded on both sides. Hundreds are in the hospital. The Israeli military says that it has now mostly gained back control of the areas around Gaza, where Hamas had invaded after the attack caught its vaunted military and intelligence apparatus completely off guard. Thousands of Israelis were evacuated from more than a dozen towns near Gaza, and the military summoned 300,000 reservists. That is a massive mobilization in a very short time. The Israeli defense minister ordering a complete siege of the Gaza Strip as Israel fights the Hamas terror group. Again, no electricity, no food, no fuel. Yoav Gallant says, quote, we are fighting human animals and we are acting accordingly. Now, to be clear, I know that this is going to be tough to hear. And if there are kids listening, as I know we do have many kids who do listen to this podcast, feel free to turn this down. But I I do think it is very important to really lay out what Hamas has done here. We're talking about Hamas terrorists who raped women who were at a peace music festival. They raped them while they were laying next to dead bodies They massacred civilians, kidnapped entire families, including children, the elderly, Holocaust survivors. They're parading dead bodies around Gaza while they were raping women. They called some of their families on the phone so that their families could hear while they were attacking them. I mean, could you imagine one young Israeli learned that her grandmother was killed because Hamas took a photo of the grandmother after she was killed and uploaded it to her Facebook account. 
I'm going to stop there because it is just so sick and depraved and just so unsettling. But Mosh, you and I debated whether we should actually go into this stuff. I think that simply reading a number of dead does not illustrate what happened here and does not give you an understanding of the psyche and what happened on the ground. Yeah, I mean, when you hear that quote from the Israeli defense minister, we're fighting human animals. These are the activities that he's describing. And I think it's important context as we watch what happens, uh, what unfolds over the course of the coming days and weeks uh, and why the Israeli response uh, is going to be uh, as significant as it is, why they've called up hundreds of thousands of reservists and are going to be going into Gaza uh, this is a, a tragedy of epic proportions and really is beyond the pale here, the condemnation global. Uh, you've seen Brandenburg Gate in Germany, the Eiffel Tower in Paris, Empire State Building in the U.S. light up with the uh, colors of the flag of Israel. Many countries around the world, outside of the Middle East, outside the Arab world, uh, standing with Israel here. It speaks to just the shock that took place in Israel and again, what you're about to see unfold, because we're also talking about more than 100 Israeli hostages inside Gaza. So now back to the military part of this. Israel has been relentless as it's hitting more than a thousand Hamas positions in Gaza. Tens of thousands of civilians flood their homes as, again, those relentless Israeli airstrikes leveled buildings. Hamas often positions and launches its rockets and military equipment from within residential buildings in the territory that they have ruled since 2007. They continue to indiscriminately shoot rockets into civilian areas in Israel on Monday. Hamas and other militants in Gaza say that they are holding more than 150 soldiers and civilians snatched from inside Israel. And on Monday, Hamas pledged to kill captured Israeli hostages, which include many children, women and elderly if Israeli attacks on the Gaza Strip continue without warning. Yeah, the Israelis typically, until now, have put a warning shot out, given residents a heads up before they attack a building again, because Hamas locates its military equipment within residential buildings uh, in the area it controls there. But Israel said on Monday, we're no longer doing that. We're not giving Hamas a heads up. And so Hamas replied by saying, well, we're going to just start killing your hostages here. By the way, when we talk about the death toll and the hostages, we're not just talking about Israelis here that have been captured and killed. We're talking about Canadians, Germans, French, Nepalese, Filipinos, a lot of people from around the world who happened to be in Israel at the time uh, were murdered or kidnapped by Hamas. Uh, at least as of late Monday night, 11 Americans have been confirmed dead in the terrorist attack. President Biden saying it's also likely that Americans are among those currently being held hostage by Hamas, a number of American citizens still unaccounted for after the deadly assault on Saturday. As far as the Israeli operation, that will continue despite the hostages, they say. Uh, they took back control of the main part of Israel uh, on Monday, nearly 48 hours after Hamas first invaded, and now the push into Gaza will start. The challenge here is Hamas is a terrorist group. It also happens to be the government of Gaza. Its authoritarian regime has run it uh, for more than 16 years now. So taking out Hamas's capabilities is effectively taking out the entire government of Gaza, an area that uh, is about seven miles by 25 miles and has about two and a half million residents. Israel will say we got out of the game back in 2005 of managing, of occupying, of, of trying to deal with Gaza. We gave it back to the Palestinians nearly 20 years ago, and yet they need to go in there and eliminate Hamas capabilities uh, because of what has unfolded over the weekend. So what comes next? 
who comes next, what this war looks like, all remains to be seen here. Keep in mind, Gaza, also this small piece of territory, happens to be some of the most densely populated uh, area in the world. And again, as you mentioned, Joel, the co-location of military equipment by Hamas with residents makes it a situation that often escalates into a lot of civilian casualties. And so that's something we'll be watching in the coming days. Uh, We talked a bit about the Hamas threat to start killing hostages. The Daily Beast is out with an interesting story. It's actually written by an anonymous reporter inside Gaza due to fear from Hamas. Hamas has no freedom of the press. If you write anything critical of Hamas, you get imprisoned or worse. Uh, Interestingly, this reporter who submitted this report interviewed a number of Gazans about that Hamas threat to kill Israeli hostages. And the Palestinian people within Gaza are actually split on this. A few uh, were quoted as saying, you know, that's like ISIS. They damage the uh, image of Islam. Another person saying this is totally wrong. Uh, This doesn't fit with our Islamic principles. And yet you have some Gaza residents who say, I agree with Hamas. They should start killing Israeli hostages. This should be done because no one in the world cares about us. This is where we've gotten to here. And it comes, as Hamas, by the way, claimed on Monday, that in the first round of Israeli airstrikes, that four of their own captives, four of the Israelis held hostage, were killed in the Israeli airstrikes that were targeting Hamas captors. So this is going to be a a mind game uh, that we'll be watching here. And it comes as just the continued shock to the consciousness in Israel continues. Israel still finding bodies, many dead bodies across southern Israel. Israeli rescue workers on Monday found 100 dead Israelis in the tiny farming community of Be'eri. That, by the way, is 10% of the town's population. And Moshe, amid all of this horror and terror, just one story of survival from the Times of Israel, it reads, coffee and cookies, how a hostage kept her terrorist captors distracted until rescue Rachel and David were held captive in their home by five gunmen from the Gaza Strip for 15 hours as their son, who was a police officer, waited outside until security forces burst in to save them. I will link to this article in the show notes. um, But again, at least just one story of survival. Yeah, I mean, there are a number of of heroic stories. In some cases, uh, some Israelis in that area waiting for so long for the military to get there that instead friends or family members or parents came down loaded with weapons uh, to fight off the terrorists themselves. There's also the story of another nearby town that got alerted early to the invasion and was able to fight off a number of Hamas terrorists before uh, they could murder people in that town. At the same time, just tragic interviews, Jill, we've been watching. We've linked to a couple on our Instagram account of Israelis whose wives, children, parents uh, were taken hostage, and they don't know where their whereabouts are. Uh, They've seen the videos that Hamas has uploaded to social media and are desperate for their innocent civilian family members, sometimes very small children, to come home safely. And it all comes as the White House has promised Israel more aid and support, but major additional aid will require congressional approval. One issue with the House operating with no elected speaker, it is effectively paralyzed. It cannot pass emergency military aid for Israel until lawmakers seat a new speaker. Republicans say they hope to rectify that this week. Jill, I know you mentioned some of these candidates for speaker on the Friday pod, uh, Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan, among the congressmen who are the top candidates here, uh, whether either of them can get 214 Republican votes in order to be the next speaker. Still unclear. Interestingly, on Monday, who threw their name back in the mix? Kevin McCarthy. 
who just got booted, he says he's willing to come back and be speaker, given the dire situation happening in the Middle East. We'll see if uh, that gets some traction. There were some Republicans on Monday who said, yeah, let's let him back. Because remember, it only was eight Republicans who booted him. So whether the situation in the Middle East and frankly, the lesson from Israel that domestic government distraction sometimes leads to the government taking their eye off the ball and empowers your enemies, the question is whether that lesson will be heeded and what impact that has on the speaker election. In the meantime, despite that mess on Capitol Hill, there has been some initial aid that has been uh, given from the Pentagon to Israel. The U.S. has begun delivering critically needed munitions, military equipment. The Pentagon is reviewing its inventories right now to see what they can send Israel. But keep in mind, some of these inventories have been depleted by the amount we've been giving to Ukraine. And so it's unclear how much the Pentagon has in its inventory right now to also be able to give to Israel. All right, we have a lot more to get to in today's pod, including today's speed read. But first, a quick break for uh, one of our sponsors. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We've been really pumped to get them on board here, given how much we talk about the importance of mental health on this podcast. And given some of the news that we're telling you about, it's always important to take care of yourself and your mental health. Getting over that threshold to talk to a therapist can be tough for some. I know it was for me when I first saw a therapist several years ago, but talking to someone does help can help help you get through those major blocks, get clarity on things happening in your life, how to process them. And so we're very glad to have BetterHelp aboard here as a sponsor at Mo News. And right now they have a deal for the Mo News community. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp, one word, a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a therapist. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. You can right now go to betterhelp.com slash Mosh, M-O-S-H, to get 10% off your first month. Again, that is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash M-O-S-H. All right, time now for the speed read from the Associated Press. Former Texas Congressman Will Hurd suspended his Republican presidential bid on Monday, abandoning a brief campaign built on criticizing Donald Trump at a time when his party seems even more determined to embrace the former president. Heard said that he was endorsing Nikki Haley, a former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations for the GOP nomination. He wrote, quote, while I appreciate all the time and energy our supporters have given, it is important to recognize the realities of the political landscape and the need to consolidate our party around one person to defeat both Donald Trump and President Biden. Yeah, it does come as Nikki Haley has gotten some traction, Jill. There's some polls out uh, late last week out of South Carolina and New Hampshire that now show her as the second place candidate behind Trump. Now, albeit she's 30 to 40 percent behind Trump, but she is approaching 20 percent. She has gotten some traction out of these debates. Heard says that Haley has shown a willingness to articulate a different vision for the country than Trump, that she understands the complexities of foreign policy. If you turned on cable news over the weekend, she's been out a lot talking particularly about the issue in the Middle East and overall U.S. foreign policy. The Will Hurd departure, not surprising. His average poll numbers until now, 0.2%. Didn't even make it to 1%. Never uh, gained enough traction to make it into the debates. Uh, He's a former CIA agent, again, a moderate, but at a time where the Republican Party continues, at least half of it continues to support Trump. He understands that the lesser candidates, the better in terms of a Trump alternative, given that that really was the North Star of his campaign. 
from The Washington Post, sticking with presidential politics in a move that could alter the dynamics of the 2024 election. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said on Monday that he would continue his presidential run as an independent candidate. It ends his long shot pursuit of the Democratic nomination against an incumbent president, Joe Biden. Speaking to a crowd of supporters in Philadelphia, he said that he represented a, quote, populist movement that defies left right division. He claimed the Democrats are frightened that I'm going to spoil the election for President Biden. The Republicans are frightened that I'm going to spoil it for Trump. The truth is they're both right. My intention is to spoil it for both of them. Since announcing his candidacy in April, Kennedy has been a sharp critic of Democratic leadership, which he has accused of, quote, hijacking the party machinery to stifle his challenge to Biden. He has trailed Biden in Democratic primary polls by about 60 to 70 percent with more support and funding from Republicans than from the left. Yeah, he peaked early at about 12 percent of the polls. He's down to nine percent. Biden's still locking in 70 to 80 percent of Democratic primary voters. Uh, And given where his support is and given some of his views, many people have been saying to RFK Jr., you're running in the wrong party. We know you're a Kennedy and Kennedys are Democrats. But it does appear that his views are more in line at times with Donald Trump or or at least Trump supporters, vaccine skeptics playing on conspiracy theories around 9-11 and foreign policy wars, uh, his view of no wars abroad, not supporting aid to Ukraine, really out of step on a number of issues of Democratic primary voters. And so they develop a distaste for him early, whereas Republicans who saw him as a basically vessel to attack Biden, to weaken Biden, have been giving him aid. Even people like Steve Bannon, uh, Trump supporters like him, have been pushing RFK Jr. hard. They've been some of his biggest financial backers. But now with no real chance to be the Democratic nominee, he's an independent. Well, that changes things, because if he's able to get on the ballot, Jill, in all 50 states, now the fear is more among Republicans that he could do damage in a close election to President Trump or Republicans, given his viewpoints as an independent. He has some of the highest positives among Republican voters. If you look at polls, he's running as the third, basically most liked candidate among Republican voters behind Trump and DeSantis above the rest of the GOP field. And so not surprisingly, after his pivot on Monday to independent, the Republican National Committee was out trashing him, calling him a radical far left Democrat. The statement goes on to say, quote, make no mistake, a Democrat in independence clothing is still a Democrat. He cannot hide from his record of supporting Hillary, the Green New Deal, etc. He is an environmentalist, but has these sort of unique viewpoints. It'll be interesting to see his impact over this next year. From the New York Times, President Biden met over the past two days with Robert Hur, the special counsel investigating how classified documents improperly ended up at Biden's home and an office that he used after leaving the vice presidency. The White House said the voluntary interview was conducted at the White House over two days, Sunday and Monday. The interview played out amid the dramatic events in the Middle East. The interview's timing had been arranged several weeks ago. The interview raises the possibility that her is now nearing the end of his investigation. The Justice Department began that investigation after Biden's lawyers reported that they had found several classified documents mixed in with other papers. They were in a storage closet um, that they discovered while packing up an office that Biden had used in between being vice president and running for president in 2020. A search of documents taken to Biden's house in Delaware later turned up several more documents that led the attorney general back in January to appoint her, who, by the way, is a former Trump era U.S. attorney 
as special counsel to investigate the matter. Of course, there's also the special counsel investigating Hunter Biden and the special counsel investigating Donald Trump. But because of Trump's classified document situation and Biden's classified document situation, he appointed a separate one for Biden here. This inquiry has played out against a very charged backdrop of that other special counsel investigating Trump his handling of hundreds of classified documents that he took back to Mar-a-Lago, his home in Florida, and then Trump's refusal to give them all back even after being subpoenaed. The prosecutor in that case, Jack Smith, we've talked about him a lot on this podcast, has charged Trump with a number of federal crimes with unauthorized retention of national security secrets. By contrast, the White House, the Biden team has been saying, listen, Trump didn't cooperate. He fought. He hid. He lied. We've been corrupt the whole time. This was like a our bad. Sorry, he took some stuff and ended up in boxes in Delaware. Keep in mind, we also had a situation earlier this year with Mike Pence, uh, Trump's VP, who took back some classified documents against accidentally. They found no crime in that matter. Uh, The Trump matter, clearly they saw crimes. And the question here on the Biden classified documents case, will they choose to indict here? And it's clear based on the fact that he's now been interviewed that we're getting close to the end with this case. From CNBC, the Writers Guild of America has officially ratified its new three-year contract with Hollywood Studios. The Guild on Monday announced that 99% of its membership voted to ratify the new deal. The WGA secured pay increases in each of the next three years, artificial intelligence restrictions, and a new residual system for streaming based on viewership. The Guild also negotiated higher contribution rates to health benefits and pensions, as well as a guaranteed number of writers in writers' rooms for television shows. Yeah, that residual system you mentioned is important. Residuals are the uh, paychecks that they get, uh, depending on how many people watch their shows, stream their shows. Keep in mind, many of the streamers, like Netflix, don't announce numbers. And so that's been a huge issue for writers who are not making as much as they used to back in the day when they wrote on a show and the show went into repeats. And you know, you see, even today, some of those shows like Will and Grace or Seinfeld or Friends still on the air and repeats. The people who wrote those episodes in the 90s still getting residual checks. Not true in the streaming world, but clearly the writers got uh, something more here. As far as what this means for your favorite TV shows, Already, the late-night shows are back. Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Stephen Colbert, they're already back on the air. And so you'll see more uh, get on the air. But still in Hollywood, we have that other strike, the Actors Strike, the Screen Actors Guild. They continue their negotiations with Disney, Paramount, Netflix, Warner Brothers Discovery, um, all the big ones. They're looking for some similar stuff to what the writers got, improved wages, AI protection. The union's also looking for transparency from the streaming services about viewership again, for those residual payments. From Reuters, the number of U.S. employers who cover obesity medications, including Wegovy and Ozempic, could nearly double next year, according to a new survey. The survey of 502 employers by Accolade, which is a company that provides healthcare programs, said that 43% of the employers it polled could cover GLP-1 drugs next year, compared to 25% that cover them now. Those GLP-1s are used to treat type 2 diabetes and weight loss. So this comes as employers that cover weight loss drugs are facing a spike in their healthcare costs because of the growing popularity of drugs like Wegovy, sales of Wegovy and Ozempic, both of which contain that active ingredient, semi-glutide, have surged in the last year. Ozempic, of course, initially for diabetes, now being used off-label for weight loss as well. 
And so that's something we'll continue to watch in the workplace. It does come as a new study was out in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, out last week that did find a link of those drugs like Ozempic could increase the risk of stomach paralysis as well as several other gastrointestinal conditions. It was the first large disease-related study to examine the adverse effects to non-diabetic patients using these drugs now for weight loss. This came out of the University of British Columbia. Stomach paralysis, by the way, known as gastroparesis, not a pretty condition. It prevents the nerves and muscles in the stomach from moving food into the small intestine, keeps digestion from occurring. So uh, again, as we're watching this fad, and you know these drugs having an impact in a lot of people's lives, a positive impact, they are beginning to really study its impact on non-diabetic patients uh, and potential long-term effects. All right, now time for On the Day in History. Jill, I assume you're glad to have me back. <laughs> Very. This it got to the <laughs> point, Mosh, where there was one day where I just, it was such slim pickings and it was all yeah. so depressing that I stopped in the middle of the recording and just Googled and Googled until I could find something that wasn't totally depressing <laughs> that happened. <laughs> And I did finish the podcast with uh, something light. It's tough. I will tell you today, October 10th, is a tough day. In terms of like interesting things, uh, I had to dig around, not to dismiss anything that you're about to hear. On this day in 1845, the U.S. Naval Academy officially opened in Annapolis. Apparently at the time, we had very unsatisfactory performance among our midshipmen. And so the government uh, decided like we need to open a Naval Academy to train uh, students. And so that opened on this day in 1845. Sticking in the 1800s here, the billiard ball was patented by a guy named John Wesley Hyatt. So Hyatt came out with a new way to make the cue ball, that white cue ball, uh, with the first form of plastic. Initially, cue balls were actually made out of ivory from elephant tusks. So thanks to Hyatt's way of creating the cue ball, he was actually able to save thousands of elephants. Uh, started to dig around here on the history of billiards. It was actually invented in Europe in the 1500s became popular enough by the early 1600s that Shakespeare uh, mentions it in one of his early plays. Uh, it makes an allusion to it. Jill, how's your pool game? So I actually tend to have beginner's luck. So I normally can get like the first one in and then I'm done. So I, be, I, I basically just need to, you know, do like one shot and then like, and that's it. I'm out for the, for the rest of the game. I usually can't keep it up. There you go, folks. I feel like, Jill, when you moved out of the suburbs, you left New York City, like one of the first <laughs> things people do is get a pool table potentially for their home or at least a ping pong table. I think that is an old wives tale. I have yet to ever <laughs> go to any house in maybe, the suburbs. Maybe it was a thing several table. decades ago. Maybe, maybe it's an antiquated vision. Okay, maybe that's my ambition at some point is to have a pool <laughs> table in my home when I don't live in a New York City apartment. All right, sticking with games. This actually would require less space in your home. The arcade game, Pac-Man, released on this day in 1980. Now, I do have a friend who has a Pac-Man machine in his basement, and that is something I can fully get behind. Jill, I have big ambitions for my basement eventually. <laughs> a ski ball foosball, a pool table, a pool table, and <laughs> like one of those tennis. basketball games, <laughs> one of those mini basketball games that, you know, you, you win points. I basically want a mini Chuck E. Cheese in my basement one day. That's one of my goals. <laughs> All right, guys, keep subscribing to Mo News Premium. <laughs> Moshe's goals. <laughs> All right, we'll end here with a couple pop culture items. On this day in 1966, the Beach Boys released good, 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 good vibrations. 
Jill, for uh, Beach Boys Historians, uh, Good Vibrations wasn't ready for Pet Sounds, their classic album. It came out a few months later. And as we teased at the top, in 90s TV history, on this day 27 years ago, no one had the heart to tell Elaine that she was a terrible dancer. <laughs> Here's a clip from the show, George talking to Jerry. Have you ever seen Elaine dance? <laughs> Elaine dance? More like a full body dry heave set the music. Moshe, as my friend, if, if if I dance like that, please tell me to stop. Jill, do you keep your thumbs out <laughs> as you're dancing? I do kick up my feet occasionally. One of the more famous episodes uh, in Seinfeld history. Uh, you're of a certain era if you refer to someone as an Elaine-like dancer. All right, Jill, you want to read us out? Considering I hear baby Olivia <laughs> in the background... And she does not sound happy. Jill, breaking news, a diaper change is happening in the other room. All right, uh, let's do this. We want to thank you for listening to the Mo News Podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this with your friends. It will help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store. And thanks to everyone uh, who's been joining Mo News Premium. You can do that over at mo.news slash premium for more in-depth coverage, Q&As, behind-the-scenes content. Uh, and it's also a way to support what we're doing here at Mo News, our Instagram coverage, our daily newsletter, our daily podcast so appreciate all of you again over at mo.news slash premium all right bye everybody thanks for listening to the mo news podcast